Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, hello, hello. We're on the Thames today and surrounded uh, by, <laughs> peculiarly by seagulls on uh, one side of us on the North Greenwich Peninsula and on the other side I've seen what I believe are the SAS going past in a couple of attack boats. So add that up howsoever you see fit. Hopefully we're not going to come unstuck. There's more SAS. These are the same guys who were practising down by the Olympics to make sure everything was secure. Well, the waves are causing the Thames Clipper upon which you find me to bob up and down, rock from side to side, and generally require me to have my sea legs. I'm waiting for the CEO of the Thames Clippers company to join me for a voyage on the Thames. Hey baby, let me take you down to a place of strange sights and sound. You ain't never seen the light before, just a stone throw from your front door. And as you can hear in the background, the clipper is now in from the North Greenwich Peninsula. And with me, Sean Collins, the CEO of Thames Clippers. Hi, Sean. Good afternoon to you. Hi. Um, you, we just about made it there. Uh, I gather you're a, a busy man. What occupies most of your time? Uh, meetings, uh, internally and externally. So I have a lot of management meetings internally. Um, you know, deciding strategies and, and, and everything else for the business moving forward. Today's problems, tomorrow's problems, and uh, and everything else like that. So, uh, and, and as I say, then then a lot of external meetings uh, from a commercial perspective. Now, I know that you started this company back in uh, well, 15 years ago. Yes. <laughs> and uh, what what was the what was the shape of the company in its early days? Um, it was just me and my partner back then, uh, Alan Woods, um, who, who both of us come from a. Uh, a long line river family and um, it was it was sort of brought about through the demise of the original Thames Line river bus service that was started back in the 1980s. Oh, I've not heard about this. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's been many failures of, of this type of operation throughout the years, um, bas- dating back to the late 18th century uh, with the penny steamers. And, and, and you know, there, there has always been a, a need for it, but uh, there's, there's certain factors that have always um, stood in its path. Fortunately, we got it right back in 1999 when we started with one boat, proved it can work, grew it slowly, and the rest is history, as they say. 
we've been doing quite a few episodes recently that have featured London Bridge and of course when you think of London Bridge through the ages you think of the ferrymen weaving in and out and uh, a very skilled profession but also an, an absolutely necessary function for London. Um, why is it that over the uh, ensuing years the, these uh, projects have been tried and, and haven't done so well? Well I, I wouldn't say it's never worked because when you look back at the, uh, you know, the days of the London Waterman um, it was the London taxi driver. Uh, that that was how um, you know everybody travelled, albeit by royal barge or barge, company barge. A lot of the, a lot of the companies had barges. When are we talking? When you think of that? Oh, back in the sev- late late seventeenth century. As we move along, listener, you are going to hear uh, lots of electronic chirps and bleeps and so forth in the background. The reason for that is, of course, river navigation is a complex procedure. Uh, lots of GPS tracking and radio work going on, and we're sitting, uh, I believe, just behind the cabin here, where a lot of that equipment is stored. So uh, if the sound quality isn't all it could be then that is why we're sitting in a bundle of electronics but I, I interrupted you uh, Sean you were talking about the 1700s 17th century and uh, the use of the river there yes um, the operation of watermen carrying people around on the Thames dates back to the 17th century and in fact there is still a rowing race which is the oldest contested sporting event uh, in the world um, called the Doggett's Coat and Badge and that's contested every year between uh, London Bridge and Chelsea and it was founded by Thomas Doggett um, who's a late comedian um, who used to perform on the North Bank in the Mermaid Theatre and he used to call upon the services of a waterman every day to transit the river and he recognised the skill and expertise that went into the apprenticeship of this uh, skill um, and uh, trade and uh, and as a result of that he, he, he created this race and that, ra- that race was raced in, from 1715 to this day and has more supporters involved in it than uh, contestants usually <laughs> yeah very much so normally you see a, a barge full of people in their Sunday best uh, following alongside we've got the announcements going off uh, letting us know where we are but uh, perhaps we could give a little bit of a commentary as we go we, we set out from outside the O2 and I know there are business connections there as well which perhaps we can develop as we go along uh, but the architecture that we're passing now is uh, rather grander and, and slightly less modern where, where are we now uh, we are at Greenwich now um, Royal Borough of Greenwich um, and we've just passed uh, the Royal Naval College and behind that is the National Maritime Museum you know Greenwich is really becoming a, a destination in its, in its own right now it's a, it's a fantastic place to visit fantastic place to live and, and it's as you can see by the numbers that are just about to get on the boat here in uh, in, in midweek in in March is, uh, is is pretty significant as to how much the river is becoming a transport hub for Greenwich, um, getting you know visitors that are coming to London, domestic use as well, visiting the the, the various attractions here. We've currently got the Turner exhibition going on in the Royal Naval College um, that has been very very heavily supported it's, uh, it's, it's really a great exhibition and, and has, has, has had a great turnout How do you see, because of course in relatively recent years Greenwich has been opened up a little bit by some of the underground lines and so forth allowing people to access it do you see that as competition for Thames Clippers or, or is that complementary or, or beneficial indeed to you? I, yeah, I see it as complementary um, at the end of the day the more option people have um, and the more efficient it is for them to move between the two, the greater the benefit. You know, it, it was very much proved during the Olympic Games 
um, where you know you've got overground, you had the DLR and you had the Jubilee line at the, at the peninsula, um, both from the peninsula and here from Greenwich, and uh, it, it was it was heavily heavily utilised. The whole transport network heavily utilised, big public transport usage, and uh, and and the river fared very very well in that. Now that's interesting because when I've been uh, happening to glance over the side of a bridge and spotted one of the clippers, and we'll give a description of them as well because people will be seeing them and if, if, they, if they're not used to using them or if perhaps they don't know what they are, they might not recognise them as, as clippers, as something available to them. They might seem like private party boats or something, I don't know. How, how would we recognise a Thames clipper? Uh, they're a very low, sleek-looking vessel. With, uh, with lots of windows that, uh, so, that, that, so the customers can see out and, and whilst they're transporting by boat uh, I've got the ability to, to see the fantastic sights and our iconic city and they're, they're normally going pretty fast Yes, and they're, are they catamarans, am I right? That's correct, yeah, they're catamaran vessels and, uh, and, and as a result of a lot of, um, a lot of testing of the whole design they can still maintain the speeds going against the tide as, go, as going with the tide um, they, they very much cut through the water um, which, you know, when we spoke earlier on about some of the, the failures in the past the tide has been an, a, a, a barrier in that regard in, and it hasn't allowed the vessel to go as fast in one direction as it is in the other as a result of the tides. But, um, you know, due to technology and advanced designs, um, that isn't a problem with these vessels. And I know you've got 13 of them operating on the river at the moment. I, I'm wondering, going back to that, uh, those early, early doors for you, on the river, the obvious thing is if you're going to set up a, a service on the river, um, you, you'd kind of want to go in with all guns blazing and uh, half a dozen boats already. How did you gradually build that up, and how did you, um, at the beginning, envisage that growth? Um, well, one of the I, th- I see one of the issues with previous attempts um, that, w- that there was a, a massive capital outlay, um, and and that wasn't able to be supported in the slow migration of people using the river so there was a a commercial issue there Um, so we grow the business one boat at a time almost adding a boat every year as you just said we've got 13 boats now and we've been operating 15 years so we've almost added a boat a year and we're currently looking at expanding the fleet over the next couple of years as well Um, so it it has been a very slow progression in order to to ensure that the, the business remains viable I'm sure that must have changed your customer profile as well somewhat then because presumably if you start off with one boat uh, people are going to know when that boat is going to be and and that's going to be perhaps less attractive to a a sort of a commuting public whereas now with the greater frequency of uh, service you're really reaching out to the commuting audience. You'll be very surprised actually Um, because of the fantastic environment that you've got of travelling by boat you've got the comfort You've got the luxury of having a seat. You've got the space. Yes, can we? Can we just? We should just pause on that. Where else can you commute and get a seat? I mean, is that the case at rush hour as well? Absolutely. We have to have a seat for every passenger that is carried. You're legally required to get a seat on this service. Legally required to get a seat, be in the seat, and have a have, have your life jacket underneath the seat. So it is. It, it, yeah, absolutely. And and and. That is very unique in any busy capital of the world, not just London. And I think that is our USP. And actually, from day one, people were queuing up to buy a season ticket to travel on that one boat. We only done three stops between Surrey Keys and the West End. 
uh, well, two stops, two intermediate stops, one at Canary Wharf and one at London Bridge. So once again, we started the route um, in a manner to be able to, to deliver. It was purely commuting. Uh, we only operated three and a half, four hours in the morning um, and the same in the evening, Monday to Friday, so that we could use the downtime over the weekend to maintain the vessel and preventative maintenance in order to, to ensure that it was ready to operate the next day. Um, and at the time as well, I was you know, not just running the business, I was, I was actually driving that boat and um, captaining that boat and, and, and recognising the areas what we needed to change what we needed to grow and do in order to move on to the next stage and I think that that was one of uh, the benefits that, that the, the business experienced um, it, it seems to me as though some of the places you've mentioned there you wouldn't necessarily associate with commuters uh, living there they, they seem more like the sort of places you would go to if you're commuting um, wh- how do you sort of funnel people in from wherever it, wherever it is they're based and get them to work well, albeit only eight months, but we actually started our service um, from Surrey Keys in 1999. Um, and there was a massive uh, residential catchment there um, that, that was totally unserved by a, an underground and, and, and very poor bus links at the time. And, and allegedly by cab drivers as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was, there, was a, there was a very good minicab business around that area in those days as well. Um, and the, the Jubilee line was, was eight months away from when we started the operation. But I always see that there was such a dense population within that area, and equally around Canary Wharf Riverside, that there would always be a demand for people wanting to get from there to the city in the West End. And, and we are the quickest form of transport, for example, from Greenland to Blackfriars. From uh, Greenland? Yeah, Greenland Pier, Surrey Key, sorry. Oh, well, so we've come further than I thought. <laughs> uh, we've, uh, we've come to a pause here. It looks like we're docking. Ah, this is Surrey Keys. It is, yeah, this is Surrey Keys. For, for someone unfamiliar with the profile of uh, Surrey Keys, and we do have one or two listeners who aren't based in London, how would you uh, depict this area? Uh, it's a fantastic area. It's, um, uh, it's, it's known as Greenland Dock because it was the Surrey commercial docks where uh, a lot of trade... Uh, took place in its in its in the in the heyday of the of the London dock system, um, and it was one of the first dock areas to be redeveloped. So, you know, the whole of the of the dock side now is is uh, populated by townhouses, um, flats, apartments, and and that is the case throughout the whole of of the, of the peninsula um, that that still has the the locked in waterways within it that has uh, that has been turned into residential moorings and, uh, and, and marinas uh, behind this pier here um, is a fantastic marina. Ah, right, so Surrey Keys is still on the Greenwich Peninsula? Uh, no, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's on the Rotherhithe Peninsula. Ah, right, OK, yes. I'm, it's one of those areas where, uh, because the river twists and turns so many times, it's very easy to, to lose track of exactly where you are. A- absolutely. Um, as the crow flies um, in a minute, we're, we're only going to be... Um, uh, as the crow flies uh, at the same speed of what we were travelling from the North Greenwich Peninsula to Canary Wharf um, is, uh, is, 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 is a few minutes as opposed to uh, we've come all the way round the Isle of Docks uh, which as you know has just taken us um, 18 minutes 
just looking around at the people we're sharing with us. I should say we're on a sort of a 3, 3.15 sailing at the moment and obviously wrong time of day for commuters but it looks like you've picked up a healthy size of crowd here. I'm, I'm guessing that a few of these might be tourists. Does that form quite a large proportion of your trade? Absolutely, yep. Um, a lot of businesses obviously as I said to, to you know, enter Greenwich um, on a daily basis and uh, they, they would have come from the Cuddy Sark, the National Maritime Museum and what have you in Greenwich but equally we've just picked up a few at Greenland Pier now um, and you know that's that's people going to pick children up from school because actually there's quite a few nurseries and that in, uh, in, in Canary Wharf um, so, so you know that's a regular trip. Well, that that's, uh, straight away opens up possibilities that I wouldn't have thought of. And, of course, that's going to be exactly what you want to do, is normalise the, the use of this. And it's a, clearly a great way to get around. What are the sort of mental barriers, perhaps, that people have about getting on a boat and using it as their uh, main uh, means of getting around London? And how would you overcome those blocks? Um, well, there's this perception that it's expensive, um, which, if you're a regular user, it's not. And equally... Um, it's it's very hard to link it up to all the other um, forms of transport. So the intermodal point, there's this mind block that it doesn't do that, but it does. Let's get some figures attached to both of those, shall we? What's the cost of uh, getting on a boat? Um, the, the cost of using the, the, the boat on a daily basis could be £2 a journey. If you're a season ticket holder, using it five times a week to return to and fro work. Well, that compares very favourably, really, doesn't it, with your average commuting trip? Absolutely. Um, that is with a discount if you've got a travel card, but then if you're using other forms of transport, most people have. So, absolutely, it, it, it is, it is uh, comparable to other forms of transport. And you, you mentioned it's public transport. Can you use an Oyster card on uh, the Clippers? Yes, you can. Um, you can use an Oyster card as payment. It is still uh, full fare, less 10%. Um, so that is that has got less of a discount than what uh, the travel card has got. And at the moment, it, it's not a touch-in, touch-out system, but hopefully that's going to be coming online uh, in 2015 as well. So um, I'd say one of the areas that we have still yet to really get right and develop is the ticketing system, and indeed it being more like and more in line with the rest of, of, of the London transport system. And, and we're working very, very hard uh, with Transport for London in developing that so that the customer does link it up, even through ticketing. We'll talk as well about that issue of uh, intermodality that we, we touched on there, but we've come to a pause and... Uh, oh, we're at Canary Wharf. What can we say about Canary Wharf? Well, apart from it being fantastic, a great place You're to going work. to say that about every stop, right? <laughs> no, no, Canary Wharf is quite special, I believe. It's, uh, it, it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a location that is a lot closer to the city than people think. The way it's been developed is a very easy, simple place to get around and got some great public rail um, and, uh, you know, just generally a, a, good, a good place to work. You know, it, it's, it's like the city in the east. It always seems a little bit like the, uh, the, the Emerald City to me. It's always there on the horizon somewhere, twinkling away, but I'm never quite sure what I should go there for. Uh, you can go there for all sorts of things, shopping, work... Ice skating, it all depends what time of year. Ice skating? Absolutely, there's a great ice skating rink near most of the winter and in the summer there's all sorts of uh, concerts and things like that 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 take place in Kapot Square. Well I think I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) And and indeed, uh, as I say, shopping. 
um, and, and you know coming back to the, the, the cost of a trip a lot of our commuters um, that live uh, in the developments to the riparian to our peers that we've just meandered through um, use the boat to get to and from Canary Wharf for a weekend to get their shopping and, and, and things like that so you know that season ticket is, is not just Monday to Friday it is used weekends it is used of an evening there's nothing to stop someone that's got a season ticket and getting on at, at uh, Surrey Keys or from uh, Canary Wharf and going to the O2 to watch an event What, what does a season ticket set you back? Uh, just over a thousand a year um, intermodality, which is not a word that trips off the, the tongue uh, ordinarily, but uh, just thinking about North Greenwich uh, there, there was quite a trip. It felt like a, sort of a four or five minute walk from the tube station to get to North Greenwich Pier, which on a beautiful day like this is no sweat at all. Does that present any problems though? Of course, a lot of other transport hubs are in the same building to whatever degree. Yeah, it, it, that does cause a problem. Um, if you're tra- transferring from one mode to the other, uh, predominantly uh, we don't get that uh, at North Greenwich. Um, you, the, the, the people that's visiting North Greenwich either choose one location or one transport or the other. So they'll come out of the O2 arena um, and they will either choose the, the underground or they will choose the boat, in which case your, your walk to the pier is nearer than the platform. But once again, it doesn't feel like that. It's all about perception. Um, but there is a covered walkway all the way from the O2 Arena to the pier. That's true, there is. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> I didn't notice it because the weather's too good. What about um, transport for London? How, how does that uh, relationship work? Oh, oh, clearly, um, you, you're keen to work together, but also, um, and, and are working together. Um, over the course of the, the, the 15 years, how has that uh, changed and developed? Um, well, Transport for London have never really had any, originally never had any any vision for river services. Uh, That's astonishing in itself, isn't it? Well, it isn't when you look at the, 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 the river is never going to be a mass transit. And, and when you look at the upgrade that needed to, that's needed to happen on the underground um, and the development of the bus routes and what have you, um, I guess their focus has been on those elements and getting that all up to, 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 to a modern... Um, position in the last few years, um, there has been a tremendous shift in that, and there is a lot of focus on that now. It's been led by the mayor. Um, the mayor has um, a river action plan now that sees uh, a vision of, of doubling um, passenger numbers in the next five years on the river. From from what to what? From six six million to twelve million, um, and already in 2013, sorry, in 20 yeah, in 2013. Um, that number is near 8 million. So in one year there has been a tremendous growth in passenger numbers on the river. Um, it, throughout all aspects, not just river bus, although river bus is the biggest growth, but tourism is, 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 is added to that as well. And once again, I think that is as a result of the, of, of, the, of the Olympics and the legacy of the Olympics, where river played a big part in, in getting people to and fro the, uh, the, 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 the river's own venues. So I suppose I'm a bit confused then. It might, it might be uh, term, just terminology, but when you say it's not suitable for mass transit, it's not an option for that, what, what do you mean? Well, it's never going to carry the same numbers of the Jubilee line, but it will carry more than, than a, a busy bus route um, if, it, if it is allowed to grow and the infrastructure is developed. Um, that, m- that must mean that you've got a bit of an idea of what the capacity could be. Uh, there must be a sort of a, a, a limit beyond which it's sort of a bit foolish to try and push it. Um, 
I think the river could achieve 15 million passengers a year just on river bus alone. It's a long way off, but it can, it, it, it could achieve that. What then are the factors that produce that sort of uh, limit? Just purely navigational space, um, peer capacity, the barriers that the river presents with with the different tides, the bridges, and everything else that, that would just just it would just limit the the amount of boats that could operate in central London at any one time. Well, that's interesting, Rose. So we've we've got lots of little bottlenecks all along the river, essentially, with the bridges. Yeah, but the nice thing is, is that at the moment, unlike bottlenecks on rail or on road, they don't cause too big a problem. Um, you know, we don't get any significant delays as a result of that. We get delays, but we don't get any significant delays. You know, it's pretty reliable. Um, only speaking to one of our customers the other day that that there's a corporate customer. We we take. Um, uh, school school children from Westminster to Putney um, for their rowing lessons, and uh, he was the rowing master. Uh, Dave Riches was saying that, um, that that it's great that they can rely on the journey time of getting the children from the school to the to the to the boathouse, um, whereas before doing it by road they couldn't. Uh, I still feel they should be getting there under their own steam. <laughs> but it all depends how much... You, if you want to get them, get them out on the water for a longer period of time, you've got to make sure they get there on time. <laughs> so they're not going to row there themselves. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we'll take a, a short pause. I think... Uh, I'm not sure if we're coming... We're just approaching Tower... Yeah, we're just approaching Tower Bridge now. Uh, right, OK. Well, we... Do you know what? So much has been said about Tower Bridge. I think this is a good moment to take a word from our sponsors and we'll be right back with Sean Collins on the Thames Clipper. Londonist.loud is sponsored by Audible. To claim your free audiobook from a range of 60,000 titles, try the Audible service on 30-day free trial. Audiobooks can be saved as MP3s and played on your compatible phone, tablet, or desktop, or burned to CD, and they're yours to keep. For your free audiobook, go to www.audible.co.uk slash Londonist and click through. Well, when we were out with some of the rubbish barges on Londonist Out Loud, one of the things that I couldn't help noticing was just what a different view you get of the city as you move through it along the river. And quite a large portion of London, I think, is made to be seen from the river. It's a perspective that you really can't get any other way. And particularly some of these beautiful wharf buildings, some of which we're passing now, Butler's Wharf, off to my left, and this fantastic and imposing industrial uh, architecture as we move oh we're just coming under under tower bridge now this is a real treat what's it like on a choppy day um this is this is pretty choppy now so you know you're not really feeling it on here you know the design of the vessels being catamarans sort of keep them pretty pretty firm in the water and uh, and and from a customer experience you don't really notice it too much doesn't really affect us too much wind rain snow we once again is it's a service that doesn't really get affected too much by um, weather conditions uh, the only thing that does affect us is fog and even then uh, we we operate in in a, at a lower speed until it gets too dense uh, uh, we've got a got a cut-off period of which we have to stop operation completely and unfortunately that that often happens down towards the barrier and the Woolwich uh, section of our route because of uh, the amount of water around there. You often hear city airport being uh, be, being hampered by the same thing. So it's uh, it's something that's quite common to that area. It gets very dense. I'm tempted to throw a challenge down to you here. 
we've done a few episodes where we've touched on the history of the Tower of London. Do you reckon that you would be able to come up with a fact about the Tower of London that we wouldn't already know? <laughs> I very much doubt it. <laughs> or or, you might, or I might be able to come up with something, but I'm not sure whether it would be the truth or not. <laughs> That's a good strategy. <laughs> There's a lot of wise tales out there. I, I can think of a certain tour guide on the South Bank I know who, who would very much approve of that approach to history. Um, off to our left at the moment, we can see City Hall there. Uh, um, oh, there's new building going on. What's what's going on there? Do we know what's on the left of the of City Hall? What are they constructing? We we do. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big residential uh, uh, development that's taking place. It's um, it's one of the the Berkeley Group uh, buildings. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very very big residential which is sort of just completing. Uh, the riverscape from uh, from London Bridge down to Tower Bridge because you've got the, the fantastic buildings here of Lookmore, London, just to either side of the of the Mayor's building. That development is is, is just going to sort of finish off the picture over there. And when you look back, um, only 20 years as to uh, as as to the. The derelict wharves and everything that used to be over there—it's um, amazing the transition in, in such a relatively short period of time. Yes, it's always felt like a bit of a, a black hole just there, hasn't it? Uh, absolutely, and it's going to be one of the final pieces to the jigsaw over there. What with that and the development of London Bridge Station, uh, where there's going to be a transition of retail there and and, uh, and and urban realm, it really is going to be you know a another piece of the city. Um, this great city. You, you sound uh, like somebody who embraces modernity and uh, progress in, in a big way. Uh, I know a lot of the people that we have on the show are historians and so naturally find themselves uh, looking back. Do, do you have an interest in that direction? I, I don't, uh, absolutely not, but I, I guess it's because of, uh, of my love for the river um, and the river being you know, the archery to, to London. And, um, and and I've had I've been very fortunate to to, to be of an era that has, that's come through that massive transition. I can remember as a young boy a lot of the derelict wharves along the river um, that you know had nothing but a, a pigeon living in them, and um, and and you know that transition from then to now and the continued uh, development, you know, the excitement of Battersea Power Station being developed now and that whole Nine Elms corridor. When you look at the development that is going on between the Thames Barrier all the way up to Putney, it's pretty exciting. And um, what it's doing is bringing the river alive because what better way to, 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 to look at all of those um, buildings and, 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 and all of that architecture than from the river. And if you can do that and commute to and from work, you're, you're pretty pretty lucky, I reckon. Well, let's, let's step away from the clippers for a second because I'm interested to know what else you've got your eye on that's happening uh, on the not on the banks of the river, but on the river itself. Are there other projects that you're spotting going on, other events that uh, help to, to push things forward? Ever since uh, the age of 11, um, I've rowed. Um, I, I used to do a lot of rowing in my teens and up until about 28 when, uh, when I decided to, to concentrate more on business and, and, and sort of started Thames Clippers. But um, for me, rowing is a fantastic sport. Uh, it's the one that we win the most medals at the Olympics in. And, uh, and, and the progression and the development of rowing in the upper reaches uh, and in Greenwich and, and, and the docks is phenomenal and there's more and more people that are getting involved in the sport uh, that, that would never have considered it 15, 20 years ago. 
I often hear horror stories about the sort of things that you can pick up from the... Uh, I mean, and, and notwithstanding the efforts made to make the Thames healthier, that are, by and large, successful, as far as I understand. You know, we start to see uh, fish and things like that. Um, but all the same, the, the river isn't the healthiest of substances, and I, I gather that a number of rowers go down with all sorts of uh, odd ailments. Not that often, if I'm totally honest. You know, you, you, it's like everything. You're always here at a one. It, it's not as clean as it could be. Um, but it, it certainly doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't make it dangerous. Um, and uh, you know, I believe that, that, that the um, Thames Tideway Tunnel that is uh, that is looking for planning permission at the moment, seeking planning permission to to commence being built in uh, in, in 2016, is going to you know tick that box as well and, and remove a lot of. Uh, uh, a, a lot of the debris that you see floating up and down. Having said that, it's a very fast-flowing river, um, and there isn't a river in the world that, that doesn't suffer from flooding, doesn't suffer from large tides, rainfall, um, that naturally will then, you know, act as act as a drain and and and, and wash all those debris down at some stage. So uh, you've you've been very delicate in the way you've presented that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think rightly so, people might be eating. Well, you know, very, the, the, a similar, similar operation to this in, in, in Brisbane. Um, you may recall in, in Australia, uh, you may recall they had some horrific floods there two years ago. Um, and the whole service was, was, was brought to its knees as a result of it, because, just because the height for the waters dislodged all the piers. The boats were still there and ready to operate, um, but it, it caused significant damage to the piers. Um, once again, you know, we've, we've got to give a lot of credit to the foresight of, uh, of, 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 of London um, in, in, in the uh, decision to build the Thames Barrier, uh, because if that barrier wasn't here, we would have had a significant flooding in the last uh, two or three months with high tides coming in from the sea and, uh, and heavy, heavy floodwaters coming down from the upper reaches. They would have met each other and, and you know, London, London would have experienced flooding. Yes, that's always one of the things I find it hardest to get my head around, but also it, it, it brings the river to life in a way that just looking at it doesn't. Is that understanding of how different parts of the river can be doing entirely different things from each other at the same time? Absolutely, and, and, and there you are with, with two, two elements eat, meeting each other. The, the, the rain pushing the land water out t- towards the sea and the sea coming in pushing the land water back. It's a very, very simple system that causes major, major problems. <laughs> well, the shadows overhead tell us we're passing under a bridge. Where, where are we now? Uh, we just passed through Cannon Street Railway Bridge um, and, uh, and, and now just approaching Southwark Bridge where we'll be docking into Bankside Pier um, where you have the uh, Globe Theatre and the uh, Tate Model. And I think we missed it. We were, we were waffling and I think we missed a, a stop back there. Yeah, an important one, London Bridge City. Um, very important stop for, uh, for London Bridge Station. Um, that is a very close intermodal transport connection between River and, uh, and Rao um, out to the southeast. And, uh, and a lot of people use that to get to Canary Wharf in the morning. So you come in by main line, um, off onto the pier, onto the boat, and nine minutes later you're in Canary Wharf. 
So presumably, foolish question, but you've got boats going in both directions. All, well, do you know what? As I asked it, <laughs> what should pass us? <laughs> and what about uh, London Bridge? What, you mentioned the development there, and we, we've got to talk about uh, North Greenwich Peninsula as well before the end of the conversation. But what are the plans, as far as you understand them, at, uh, at London Bridge? Well, the whole station is being redeveloped, um, eventually to, to, to cope with trains more efficiently more effectively uh, but furthermore you know make it a, a better experience all of the underside of the the, the arches underneath the uh, bridge which is on a sort of a viaduct um, it's going to be turned into retail and, and commercial units um, which which will obviously support facilitate the vastly growing residential and uh, commercial property development within the right in the area well, maybe, maybe it is a good time to talk about North Greenwich because one of the things that strikes me, as opposed to uh, London Bridge, which is already, as you say, a, a thriving, busy uh, area, lots of people living in and around, uh, lots of good connections going south and so forth. Um, North Greenwich Peninsula, I mean, people from, I should say, probably Greenwich, uh, they quite like being a little bit cut off in some respects, I think. They, I think a lot of the people I've spoken to in Greenwich see themselves as a little bit apart in some respect, like their privacy to, to, to whatever degree. But there's been Big things going on there, of course, the O2, the, I don't know whether we talk about the cable car or not, but apart from that, there's a lot of nothing going on on North Greenwich Peninsula, a lot of scope for things to be developed. Um, with your eye to the future, I'm sure you must have ideas about what you'd like to see happen there. Yeah, I mean, it was only seven years ago that, uh, that we started, um, eight years ago actually, uh, that, that, we, that we started operating out of North Greenwich Pier um, and that was a result of, a, of, of the, the revitalising of the dome into the O2 um, by AEG um, and you know from that day really the peninsula has started to grow started to develop and, and become uh, a destination and, and it is a destination now it's, it, and I don't believe it's isolated either it's got a cable car, it's got a boat service it's got a massive bus terminal and it's got a Jubilee line so um, it, it's, it's, it's got pretty much every mode of transport <laughs> Well if we're going to go for the cable car thing I mean really, it's great it is absolutely fantastic and whilst it's not carrying the numbers that, that, that one would have expected it to it is carrying the numbers that, that they forecast it to and as the Royal Docks develop which is going to happen you know massive redevelopment and development plans released only this week in, 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 in the Evening Standard that indicate that you know the place is going to be regenerated and, uh, and that will re- require transport links and you know, mark my, my words. Whilst it, you know, it, it's not, uh, it's not probably working today as much for as uh, in the way of transport as, as it as it will in the future. It's still busy, and you know, we we link up with it. We take people from central London down to North Greenwich Pier, that then use the cable car to get over to the Excel Centre when they're going to see exhibitions uh, that's taking part at part of Excel. You know, it's a very busy venue. Um, the boat show this year. Uh, you know, we, we, we transported a significant amount of people down to uh, the XL via the cable car. Uh, now, the XL is the factor that we didn't think about. We, we went up there, uh, Rachel Holdsworth from Londonist and I went over on the cable car and tried to spot what was on the other side. And uh, apart from the, the, some sort of a renewables thing uh, run by Siemens, I forget what the thing was called, and a closed uh, fish and chip stall. And apart from that, we couldn't really spot why anyone would go to, to that particular spot. 
But you've got a lot of hotels over there as well, obviously, to support XL because, you know, when it's busy, it's extremely busy. Um, and so over a weekend, a lot of people stay in those hotels when, when there's no events on. And they need to get to central London and, and go out and do stuff. And so it, it's, it's quite busy. I almost feel persuaded. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the whole way there yet. We should, uh, we should give a little bit of a description as to where we are, by the way. Um, well, we're coming up to, to the end of the line. Uh, our next stop is at Embankment, um, which is our last stop on the, on the RB1 route uh, on the North Shore. Um, we then transit over to the London Eye, um, where the vessel then starts to return back east. We're past it. Is that the President on our right? HMS President, yep. And, uh, and shortly coming up, in front of that is the HMS Wellington. Now we've seemed to have whizzed along this bit of river. Uh, what, what sort of speed are we doing? Uh, we're actually this is our slowest part of the route. Is it really? But yeah, but it's just not very long. <laughs> well, now in my mind, and I think I'm, I think I'm thinking district line. This seems to take forever. This bit. Uh, probably yeah, with the district right line, but it, no, it doesn't. It doesn't by boat. Um, in, in fact, uh, you know, you're only talking about just over a mile uh, between embankment and tower so uh, so it's not a big distance um, that said we've got three three stops in between tower and embankment and you know once again you know it, i see that as, as as one of the reasons for our success because if you look at the riverbank all the way now um, from lambeth all the way down uh, to the tower um, especially on the south bank it's just full of fantastic visitor attractions and things to do places to get, go uh, and things to see and, and, and you know you can hop on and off of, of the clipper and see two or three of those um, you know major attractions in one day well let me see if I can work this out because this is uh, looking increasingly useful uh, to, to me uh, I've got to get to the Royal Festival Hall which we're just coming up for um, at the weekend so I'm going to be coming from East London on that day how am I going to do that? Whereabouts in East London are you coming from? Uh, near the Olympic Park. Near the Olympic Park. Um, OK, well, you can either take the DLR or Jubilee line to Canary Wharf, um, a change for boat there to Waterloo, um, and then it's about a three-minute walk. I think I'm going to do that. And that's going to cost me what? £4.50 with a travel card. Right, it's a deal. I like this. <laughs> hey, um, we, you touched uh, just very briefly on your own background on water and your family background on water. What's uh, what's going on there? Um, well, I'm the third generation in my family uh, to work on the river. I currently have uh, two cousins that that, that, that work on the river uh, in completely different fields. One of them is a, a tug captain um, for Cory Environmental. And uh, and who, who I've sailed with, in fact. <laughs> well, you may have sailed with him. Who, who is he? Wayne Collins. I have. <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. And uh, and and, uh, and his brother is uh, is is a, a passenger boat captain for one of the private uh, private tour companies. And what about the previous generations you mentioned? What were they doing? Uh, my father was a, a waterman, a lighterman, mainly a lighterman. Uh, so he, he used to do a bit like what Wayne does, uh, tow barges up and down all the way up to Brentford, in fact, from Tilbury in one tide. My uncle, Wayne's father, used to do the same thing. He was my dad's brother. And our grandfather was a lighterman as well, mainly in the docks, because um, the term lighterman way back was uh, somebody that lighted a ship of its cargo before the days of containerization, obviously. And, you know, that was the demise of the docks in central London, whilst it's very busy down in the, uh, in the estuary uh, with, uh, with Tilbury Dock and, and now Dubai Ports, 
um, in, in at uh, Shellhaven. Um, you know, there, there is there is more tonnage transshipped and moved down there now than what the, the entire docks did in their heyday. But um, you know, the the loose cargo very much changed from that day. But the the, the lighterman used to put his barge alongside a ship, and and then the ship would discharge cargo into that barge and then the barge was then towed to another wharf uh, another destination further up through the bridges or, or another dock come to that um, so the, the term lighterman was a person that looked after a lighter which was a barge that used to lighter the ship of its cargo and then take it on to its interport destination and the tents that you used uh, told me that perhaps your grandfather isn't still around uh, no nor is my father unfortunately Right. And, well, I, I wondered what they would. Uh, perhaps they had a, an opportunity to express it, but what, what they thought of the, or what they would think of the operation here on the Thames Clippers. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think they'd be pretty pretty pleased, pretty proud of it. Um, it's uh, you know I I, I I bet they'd much rather uh, see barges going up and down full of cargo uh, because it's what they used to do. But uh, but you know here we are in a changing time. Uh, changing environment and 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 the, this is satisf- satisfying the needs for today and bringing a river back to back to life and indeed um, creating an employment that that you know has seen significant demise um, over the last 30 40 years do you think there is any realistic scope for the Thames ever returning to the, the sort of uh, cargo-based uh, industrial usage that it saw before, to, to any degree? Well, it will do for the Thames Tideway Tunnel. It's the only way that they can get rid of, you know, they can, they can transport the large volumes of mud um, that has got to come out of that tunnel to, to, for it to be built. And in, equally, the materials that have got to go into the building of it will come in by river. Um, so it, it will it will get a, lease, a new lease of life in that respect. And, and equally, you know, London is becoming more and more anti-lorry movements in the centre. And, um, and, and as a result of that, um, they are going to look, have to look at ways in, in which, um, you know, large projects uh, are supported um, in, 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 in the movement of materials. Um, Battersea Power Station, for instance, you know, a large proportion of, of materials undoubtedly is going to come in by, by river for that. And, um, well, and from, from where do you get that uh, sense of assurance? Um, because the concept of moving it, the logistics of moving it any other way is so prohibitive and so you know a logistics nightmare where where, where the river is is a simple solution and, uh, and it can bring it from source it can bring it from uh, you know the docks and the and the ballast terminals further down the river in bulk right the way up i mean on our way up today we would have passed a, a barge being pushed by a tug uh, carrying for a thousand ton of, of, of aggregate uh, you know, there is always going to be building, there is always going to be development, um, and and it's it, the, the need for. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that the transportation of of wood um, in bulk that used to go up to Brentford Dock and then go up through the canal system, you're not going to get a return in, in, in to that degree. But loose cargo, um, I, I think it will it will continue to be transported by a river and I think that the Thames Tideway Tunnel will do is, is it will um, allow investment in modern barges, in modern tugs 
to be able to do that more efficiently and, and even more compete with the road. I want to press some buttons, but I don't know which buttons to press at the moment. I, I sort of want to ask um, about, about other things that you're aware of, maybe schemes that you've seen suggested for the river, or uh, but I don't know whether it's going to be too political to go down those kind of roads. Um, but any, uh, any ideas that you've seen proposed for, for London or for the river um, that, that strike you as um, ill-advised at best? Well, I, uh, specifically for the river, um, I can give you an example that I was very anti, but that was only, uh, that was only from a navigational perspective, not from a concept, uh, and that was the London River Park. Um, it was a plan to have uh, a great big floating walkway. Oh, this was the giant eggs? Yes, it, yeah, and that was going to go all the way from Blackfriars down to Tower on the North Bank. Um, well, that was going to be in an area that was also already very restricted and had significant tidal effects uh, caused by bridges and everything else, and that would have just added to the problem and, and restricted, further restricted navigation. So, so it was a great concept. I loved it, um, but it was probably the wrong place in the river that it was being suggested. I think there are other places on the river that that could work. The, the bridge that's being proposed, the, the garden bridge, fantastic idea. And also, in a great location, it's going to link uh, an area of the river um, for pedestrians uh, that, will be, that will be heavily utilised, like the Millennium Footbridge. You know, the Millennium Footbridge was, was a fantastic introduction uh, to, to link in the, the North Shore and the South Shore uh, for pedestrians. And, and, you know, what a vision there was there, because, you know, you look at the volumes of people now that congregate around the Tate Modern, Shakespeare's Globe, that whole bankside area is just heaving with people. And, you know, you walk across the bridge straight into the front door of St Paul's Cathedral. It, it's, you know, incidentally, that was the route that, 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 that Thomas Doggett almost used to take uh, every day back in the day when he was, he was transported across by, by Wherry. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's evolution. And, and I think that the, the garden footbridge will once again raise the profile of the river. Where would you like to see it positioned? Um, where it's suggested, I think it's uh, coming over from just above the, the Oxo Tower on the south bank there. Um, over to the, the borderline of the, the City of London and the City of Westminster. Well, I've pressed gently, but uh, so far you remain uh, universally positive, even towards the ideas that you don't quite approve of for various technical reasons. So I, 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 I really need to ask, what annoys you about London? I'll, I'll consider my work not done if I don't uh, uh, puncture your positivity. Uh, repetition and bureaucracy. Oh, good. Right. Okay. <laughs> is this uh, is this the sort of thing that we hear a lot about with the the red tape around running businesses? Yeah, um, and and for us, um, you know, we have got. I'm, I'm absolutely for regulation. Uh, I think it's a good thing. I was only saying to someone earlier on today that that as a result of regulation, that, that when you look at the developments, majority of developments that, that, that get planning approval, they've been well thought out, well positioned and, and blend in with, with other architecture, historic architecture. So I, I see that as, and I'm talking about modern day, I'm not talking about a few years ago. There's a few buildings that was built a few years ago that didn't quite tick their box. I very much welcome change, but as an industry... Um, we have to deal with the national maritime regulator, which is right, uh, which is the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency. 
and then locally we have to deal with the Port of London Authority from a navigational perspective um, and then the, the, piece, the custodian of our licences are, are Transport for London and at times them three are very very disjointed and it's hard being caught in the crossfire and, and, and one shoe doesn't fit all and, uh, and then to add to that you've got all the different boroughs uh, that link both sides of the river that have all got different approaches and different objectives and and don't get me wrong I think there has been we've got this thing called the Mayor's Concord, River Concord app um, and it's been going a good few years now and, and it's only really in the last couple of years that that has really started to, to move on and it's as a result of the River Action Plan and the Mayor's focus on delivering more capacity, seeing more freight and more passengers transported by water, um, that is beginning to bring these boroughs together and think a little bit more joined up. Uh, but there's still a long way to go. But I, I think that there is a mechanism there now to do that um, uh, because without it, uh, you know, it's, it would be like banging your head against a brick wall. Which must be a temptation sometimes, I'm sure, in, in all the bureaucracy. So you, you've had to uh, acquire some or uh, develop skills that already exist in sort of diplomacy and negotiation and uh, being a little bit uh, political and with some, a small p. <laughs> yeah, some would say that I'm, I'm not. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, you know, it's been a hard struggle and, you know, you have to bang the table at times to, to get where you want. You've met Boris, I presume? Yes, yep, yep. How does he support the, the Clippers? He, he, he very much supports river transport um, and, and has been a great supporter of the Clippers, and so was Ken, to be fair. I think what has happened is, is that, that whilst the Mayor has supported rivers uh, over the last few years, it's taken a while um, for, for, for Transport for London to support it. Uh, they are now firmly on board um, and, are, and are supporting it well. So I think it's, you know... I think in, in, in summary there, um, irrespective of whether Ken or Boris, um, they have both uh, championed the river and, and, and brought it forward. And, and one would argue that, you know, that is a real positive for, 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 uh, and, and, uh, for the actual introduction of the Mayor of London. Um, I think the position Mayor of London has been very, very positive. I think it has added so much to, to, to the culture um, and to the development development of London um, from a people perspective as well as a building perspective and uh, and, and a long way may it continue and let's hope long may we, we continue to have um, the, the great characters that we, we've had as mayor and uh, because you know you, you, the, the energy and the passion um, that, that you see is is just phenomenal and you know I, I see them. As, as, as great figureheads and, and, and Boris I think has done a fantastic job uh, throughout his time as mayor and, um, and undoubtedly will leave a fantastic legacy for the next one to pick up Well I think that's very important what you say that in all the argy-bargy about precisely who happens to be filling the office uh, the fact that we have a mayor uh, it really is a major plus point for London and, and has been since the office was created yeah, absolutely, and um, you know it, it's it's been created. The actual office alone, just you know, just the, the vision of, of where the office is situated, it's it's just behind the gate to London, 
Tower Bridge and, and uh, as you come through Tower Bridge you look to your right and you've got the Tower of London which is a phenomenal building and then you look to the left and you've got the Mayor's Office and more London as we spoke about earlier on, Pottersfield and, and it is just a fantastic entry into the Pool of London and um, that home has, has bred some, some, some great things into the, the future management of, uh, of the city or the, the capital well, we're going to be passing by those landmarks fairly soon but uh, we're coming to the end of our show today to our right we can see Gabriel's Wharf over there I can make out the eye on the horizon and uh, we're just coming under this is, uh, this is Blackfriars Road Bridge and, and then immediately after that is you've got uh, Blackfriars Rail which uh, of course has just had a major uh, makeover with uh, a, a station now that spans from one side of the river to the other. Well, that, that finishes on the note of uh, positivity and modernity. <laughs> Incidentally, it wouldn't have been achieved without the, uh, the, the materials coming in by river and all of the construction taking place by river. Well said. <laughs> um, Sean Collins, thanks for having us on board uh, today. If people want to find out more about routes and times and all of that jazz as regards Thames Clippers, where can they do so? They can do so on our website, uh, which is thamesclippers.com, or follow us on Twitter. Well, sure, Collins, thanks very much indeed. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. And that's all for this week. My thanks for this week to Sean Collins. Thanks to, to Mark Barr and Bernie Barclay. Theme and incidental music was by Songs from the Howling Sea. I'm in Quentin Wolfe. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.